What is going on, guys? Call me crazy. We are back with a week nine conversation and a special trade deadline edition. And we saw some crazy movement that we've got to talk about. So we'll give you some analysis from an individual player perspective, perhaps talk about some bigger organizational questions, but generally just try to have some good dialogue about what happened in the past week leading up to today. Um, as always, we'll drop our three picks for the Sunday slate. But yeah, uh, how are we doing, boys? What's been going on? Well, I'm pretty fucking tired after this weekend. Uh, the three of us had like a tournament this weekend. Uh, we were all there, but uh, I'm sure none of us got much sleep. Still catching up from that. Um, got back like super late Sunday night because our bus driver just like forgot how to use a steering wheel, I guess. And we ended up like two hours later than we were supposed to. So we got in at like one in the morning or something like that. And I've had to work like since then. I have not gotten much sleep, you know. Definitely coming down with something, losing my voice. So, Rob, how about you? How's your weekend? Oh, man, my weekend was good. You know, as Scopa said, the uh, the AAU tournament we had, you know, playing against one of the best academies in the state. It was it was a tough, tough tournament. But, you know, we pulled out the win, covered the spread, made a, few, <laughs> made a little money on the side. So I'd call it a successful weekend, honestly. But our, our bets also hit pretty well, except for the parlay that Rob sold. But, like, otherwise, we went too so. Chill, chill. I'm sorry. I don't I don't pick minus 500 money lines. Bro, we're here to win money, but your pick sold us. <laughs> That's facts. It was never the Raiders. It was never the Raiders. Bro, Devontae Adams forgot how to play football. He's not built for the for it like MJ. Bro, no he had the game. flu. He had the flu. Bro, I was hoping for a Devontae flu game. He you ghosted. should have known this should have been analysis before the game. Nah, bro, flu game. Bro, when is it the case that a player has the flu and then doesn't ball out? Like, let's be honest. <laughs> well, the, the issue is we only hear about it when they do. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, whatever. You just suck yeah. the game. Don't matter. Yeah. True, true, true. Yeah. Not, not everyone's built to cook the Saints, you know. I guess not. I mean, just I guess, I mean, the Saints are just sketch, man. They, they, they just beat teams badly when you don't expect them to. It's, it, it's, it's mad weird. Them and the Bengals are two of the most unpredictable teams to bet on. But... Let's talk about some trade deadline moves, man. There's been a lot of stuff that's gone on in the past week. So, I mean, Scova, you want to you wanna lead us off? Tell us some of these deals, man. Yeah, uh, we're going to start where we left off uh, last week with Christian McCaffrey because we talked about it a little bit, like, pre-Chiefs uh, game, I think it was. Um, and so we all had our, our sort of thoughts on that. But now that we've seen him, like, fully incorporated into the offense, in just one week, he goes absolutely fucking nuclear. Um, and we see, like the old CMC that we saw pre-Baker Mayfield. The 49ers offense is just absolutely insane. If a quarterback can't get it done in this offense, like, send him to the XFL. Like, this is insane. Yeah, I mean, I held the view that Christian McCaffrey's value is Christian McCaffrey's value, man. He's just not good. Remember, we're talking about how the 49ers don't check the ball down. Um, but that was no different than the Cam Newton Panthers before CMC got there. Certain players just elevate the offenses, man. And they demand targets. If that's the case, Christian McCaffrey's the same guy yet he always was. I'm not concerned going forward. This guy's an animal. Like well, my he, man was playing quarterback. <laughs> different. He's different. Like he's actually different. I think the biggest loser of the of the CMC trade might just be Debo because of how similar they are in terms of their skill sets after the catch and you know as sort of wide backs. I mean, you could argue CMC is more of a wide back than. A running back just given his receiving volume 
I mean, another guy I think we should talk about is Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk. Um, obviously, no Debo helps, but the last, you know, three, four weeks, he started to look like the guy we expected him to be at the beginning of last year. And, you know, his rookie year was incredible, but obviously Debo and Kittle were out. But, you know, now with pretty much a full full slate of, of receivers in competition, he's really proven to look like an alpha wide receiver. I don't know how you guys feel about that. He's looked good for sure. Um, the question is, like, can this offense sustain three to four elite weapons, right? Because it's like, you still got Kittle, who's looked pretty good coming off an injury. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see, like, when everybody's healthy. I think CMC will probably be the first priority just because of the trade. And um, he's probably, I mean, him and Debo probably tied for the most talented, if not CMC, having a slight edge. And so I think probably, like, something's got to give, basically, right? Like, there's no way that all of these guys are going to maintain, you know, consistent elite production. I wonder if like, Ayuk is the guy who takes the hit there or if it's like more. I'm not going to lie. I think the guy who takes the hit is Kittle. Um, I think yeah. with Kittle's skill set, it's very easy to put him into pass protection and run blocking. Um, it's not so easy to like scheme out these other guys. I mean, like a big facet of Kittle's strength is pass protection and blocking in general. His skill set is, is so good for what the 49ers want to do that it's very easily conceivable that he's going to see a lot more snaps, less as like an after-the-catch type of player that we've seen, you know, with like a special receiving skill. I don't think you could do that for these other players, right? Like maybe you could phase out like Debo's rushing, right? That's not really where most of his fantasy production was coming anyway. It was mainly just the fact that this dude is like a touchdown fiend. Like he's a red zone threat, very efficient in general, and great after the catch. Ayuk, on the other hand, he's just a great player. They know what they want to do with him. I think that he has good chemistry with Jimmy G. And I honestly just think he's emerging as a special talent. Christian McCaffrey, clearly, you, you got to feed him the ball when he's on the field. But yeah, I think if there's anybody, it's going to be Kittle. Another guy I think we should talk about just in terms of the trade deadline. Obviously, the effects won't be felt until next year. But Calvin Ridley, man, I mean, the last two years with Ridley have kind of felt like a roller coaster since his 2020 season where he just was elite with and without Julio. And was starting to establish himself as you know one of the top 10 guys in the league in his position. So I think the important thing to consider with Ridley is just Trevor's year three jump. I mean, you look at the last couple of years, you know, you could start with Josh Allen, year three gets digs, goes crazy, hurts this year, gets AJ Brown, goes crazy. I mean, it's just a trend that quarterbacks are making this leap in year three when they get elite weapons. So, I mean, I think that a receiving core of Kirk, you know, Ridley, maybe they sign someone in free agency can, can really propel Trevor to what we expected him to be. I'm glad you're talking about Trevor because bring me Trevor Lawrence, bro. He's looked good this year. I've seen like some improvement. I think what we have to like consider is like last year, we got to just throw that shit out. Like the situation was just so fucking bad. He, he's definitely taken a little bit of a jump forward this year. Um, he's just struggling to like close these close games and put it in in the red zone. There's just like a little bit further of a step that he can take. He's he's the closest, I think, out of all the quarterbacks to being legit and actually valuable in fantasy um, from like a dynasty perspective from last year's class. Um, and I think like Calvin Ridley is going to be huge for that offense because like, yes, they signed Christian Kirk. And we talked about this at the beginning of the year. It's like, yeah, they spent a lot of money on Christian Kirk. They probably slightly overpaid given what his talent is. He's been productive in fantasy. Is he actually like a wide receiver one? Like, no. And so I think 
even if Calvin Ridley isn't like an elite wide receiver one, he's definitely an elite wide receiver two, if not like a mid-tier wide receiver one. I think he's a one. He proved that in the last... Yeah, I think, I think he proved it. We just haven't seen him, right? So like coming back takes him some time to sort of like get back into what he was looking like before. Uh, I think it's going to help out the offense huge. And I think it's a scenario where everyone on that roster gets an increase in fantasy value, except for maybe Christian Kirk. But I, I don't even see like a huge drop off there. I just think like the passing offense will be better more opportunities for everybody. And I think it's just going to elevate everyone in that offense moving forward. Yeah, Scopum, you make a good point there with the red zone efficiency. That's probably been Trevor's biggest issue this year. Uh, it's just punching it in where, yeah. where it counts. You know, the Jaguars are struggling finishing drives. He's looked good in a lot of situations. The problem, though, that I think this just evolves to is like, does he have the guys in the red zone to get the job done? And I think the answer is no. I think at the beginning of the season, I talked a lot about how Christian Kirk is just not the guy. I watched the Cardinals for a very long time and especially Christian Kirk's skill set, I didn't think would translate well to being an alpha dominant wide receiver one. And I didn't think he would be enough for Trevor to really take that leap. Although he's been good in fantasy and he's produced, you know, from sheer volume, I think it's undeniable that a player like Calvin Ridley is going to be a huge weapon in the red zone. His ability to get open, get separation, and be able to beat man-to-man coverage against almost any corner in the league is going to be a valuable, valuable asset for developing quarterback in year three. Um, as far as him being a wide receiver one, there's no question. He He's that guy. He's that good. And I think that the best comparison I can really make, at this point, he's basically CeeDee Lamb, right? When he was in Atlanta, he's playing next to Julio Jones, and everyone's like, well, obviously we know it's like Ridley's the future. But what exactly does that mean for him? Like, is he going to be crazy without Julio? Is he going to be able to produce without Julio? Well, the difference between him and Lamb is that before this season, we didn't see any of Lamb, right? Like, we knew how good he was on film. We knew how good he was, period. But Calvin Ridley, we saw how good he was without Julio. And he was dominant. And I think that this is a huge move for the Jaguars. I think this is one of the best moves that they've made. The Christian Kirk move was questionable. But this move is absolutely bomb. And they gave up like almost nothing in terms of risk, right? I think it's like if they sign him to a long-term deal, they give a second in 2024. If not, it's like it it goes down in scale based on like what exactly he does for them down to as low as like a sixth round pick. So it's like worst case scenario, you cut him for a sixth and it's like, okay, whatever. Best case scenario, you have an elite wide receiver one and you paid like a second round pick for him a year from now to help your developing quarterback and like make sure that he can progress into that guy so i absolutely love it for the jaguars as well absolutely who's this next guy we have on the list um yeah so we're gonna we're gonna talk about tj blockinson as we like to call him yeah so he's moving from detroit um detroit's gonna receive a a 2023 second and a 2024 third and minnesota's gonna send back a fourth in 2023 and a conditional uh 2024 fourth so basically the, the vikings are getting tj hawkinson to move down two rounds in the 2023 draft and move down one round in the 2024 draft. And I, I think I like it for both sides. I think for Minnesota, something that they're having issues with is someone outside of Jefferson doing anything, right? Um, they don't have anyone that's like super talented. I mean, Adam Thielen is like, you know, getting up there, right? Uh, Dalvin Cook has been solid, but nothing amazing that we're used to seeing from Dalvin Cook. Uh, I think Hawkinson helps the run game a lot. The question that I have with Hawkinson, though, just like in terms of fantasy is like, 
how many targets he's going to get exactly. I think it'll probably go up a little bit maybe, but I mean, he's averaging like six targets a game or something like that. So maybe he'll get some more red zone opportunities or something like that because the Vikings offense is better. I kind of want to take a wait and see approach on the, on the TJ Hawkinson thing. I think it's more of an impact for uh, real life football than fantasy football uh, in terms of like the Vikings. I think I agree. I mean, dude, the Vikings remind me so much of like the Rams kind of this year in terms of like cup and Jefferson in terms of like how much they impact the offense, because dude, the issue with the Vikings, right? Irv Smith is so bad. Like, he does the two things that tight ends don't do well. He doesn't block well, and he has bad hands. So it's like, what is he doing? Like, he's athletic. I think he's an athletic talent, but, like, dealt with injuries, can't block, can't catch. So it's like, what are we doing? Hawkinson is great. I don't know. I feel like Detroit slightly won this, given, you know, what I just think about the value of tight ends in the NFL. I just think that you can get better players than TJ Hawkinson in the second round at many different positions. And also, I think that one thing we're not considering from the Lions side of this is they uh, they have a pretty decent backup tight end. I mean, James Mitchell had a pretty solid game this past week. Um, he's pretty athletic. I don't know if you guys know too much about him, but but, but yeah. he's pretty solid. I was watching the highlights. That guy. Yeah, I was watching what? the highlights. I was watching the highlights. Where the hell did this guy come from? It's all right. In a week, a week from now, we're gonna come on the pod. You guys will see. You guys will see. But, uh, oh, yeah, and also Irv Smith out for the season, so. Rob, what were you looking at? He played 8% of snaps and had one target for one catch. <laughs> bro, I was watching the highlights of college, bro. Dude, he has one career NFL target. He's him, bro. Bro, he's him. Just look at the player profile data, bro. <laughs> Dude, that's the same player profile that told you Albert O is generational. The man's cut. Like, he's literally a cut <laughs> candidate. Trust. You guys will like see. season. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah, Dolchich is good. Cracked 10% of snaps all year. Dude, 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 dude. He's six. He's like Jelani Woods, but a little shorter. <laughs> you, you guys will see, bro. Generational talent. It's... Trust. Just trust. Was this guy even drafted? Bro, it don't matter. It, the, the fact that you just nonchalantly threw out this guy's name is like <laughs> good like he's gonna be a good replacement it's like what nfl film do you have bro the man's been on the field for literally like three now one catch was nice i think i think the correct approach to take is just like who fucking cares we have a tight end this season like we're ass we need a fucking rebuild like we have but they do have a tight end we have two cornerstone pieces in aminara and swift everyone else and jamo out of the building well, we haven't seen Jamo play a snap, so I'm going to, like, reserve judgment on that. We know for sure they got two players. Oh, and, and of course, the offensive line. But everybody else, like, we got a clean house. So it's like, all right, I get it. I just can't believe this man just casually threw out the name James Mitchell like any of us <laughs> that was. That's crazy. That's crazy. Now, I mean, like, my, my takeaway from this deal is, like, I didn't even know Hawkinson was on the trade block, to be honest. Like, I didn't know they were looking to trade him. I'm going to assume that this deal just happened because one day they were just offered a package that they couldn't refuse. And they're like, all right, sure. Pack up your bags, man. Like you're out. Right. I mean, I think this is a good deal for the lions. Uh, I think it's a good deal for the Vikings. They got who they needed. I probably wouldn't have given up as much as the Vikings did to get him, but I mean, he's got some youth, like sure. Yeah. Go for it. He has a, he has good skill sets. Like, I mean, he blocks. Yeah. He's got some hands. 
he's a big big body in the red zone you know no i mean i don't like i don't i don't really have any uh any crazy uh objections to this yeah we're all we're all on a wait and see approach i assume uh sure. with like in terms of his his uh his value there i got i got super excited about uh that was traded today was chase claypool so claypool goes to the uh the chicago bears for a second round pick now to be fair there's no fucking way i would pay a second round pick for chase claypool um considering like how high i think the bears second round pick will be but you know i can understand that it's like the rest of the season for the bears is basically just like how close can we get to figuring out if justin fields is the guy right so like i can at least understand it a little bit from that perspective um in terms of fantasy I said this at the beginning of the year. I like Chase Claypool. I'd love to see him in a in a better situation, just because that like wide receiver room is a bit crowded in Pittsburgh. Um, they don't have exactly a high flying passing offense, um, so I think this is good for Claypool. Uh, I I think we can expect expect to see him like a wide receiver Jewish kind of area um, rest of season. Hopefully, this also probably helps Darnell Mooney a little bit. Um, I think that Chase Claypool can stretch the field a little bit better than Darnell Mooney because he's a bigger body. He'll go up and get those contested catches that that Justin Fields loves to throw. Um, and so I'm excited. I want to see it. I, I think I could definitely be wrong and Chase Claypool could just be ass, but like, I don't think so. I think we saw a flash his rookie year. And I think if Justin Fields is any good, Chase Claypool will, will be okay. I don't know. I, here, here's my issue with Claypool. I think Claypool's a fine player. I obviously don't think he's worth a second, let alone a high second. Cause I don't think the bears would be very good, but here's my issue with this, right? Chase Claypool had a great rookie year. But if you really dig into it, it's like he had 13 touchdowns, the Steelers threw a shit ton, and he had, what, 900 yards? Now he goes from the Steelers, who are already not a good passing offense, to the Bears, who are literally afraid to throw the ball. I think they lead the league in rushing yards in, like in total, and they're not a good offense. So that just means that a huge part of their offense is running the ball with Montgomery, Herbert, and Fields. So... I don't really know how this helps him going into a lower pass volume offense that's pretty much just as bad. I mean, Fields is probably I mean, Fields is better than Pickett right now, but from like a, a long-term perspective, I don't see how this necessarily helps Claypool unless they somehow replace Fields and their offensive philosophy changes. Obviously, competition goes down, but I just think that targets are inherently earned. And if there's less of them to go around, I don't see how this helps Claypool. Quickly yeah. before you go, Ethan, I just think like the logic behind the move, if you're the Bears, because they also traded away Rokon Smith, right? And so it's like the logic behind this for the Bears is like, we don't care about winning at this point anymore. We need to figure out if Justin Fields is him or not, right? Like Justin Fields has put together a couple of decent games. And so I would expect like the volume to go up a little bit with this, like, because what's the point in trading for a guy and then being like, oh yeah, we're going to hand it off like 40 times a game still and let Justin Fields do nothing, right? So the idea is like, yeah, we'll be bad, but who cares? Like, let's see what Justin Fields can do. We give him a big body. Like that's that's the, that's the my thought process there. Okay, so I have two takeaways from this, right? One, uh, Chase Claypool is not worth a second round pick. But here's what I will say. I can hardly fault the Bears because every time the trade deadline or the NFL draft or free agency comes around and they don't do shit. Their fan base is like, why didn't the bears do shit? They never <laughs> do shit. They're getting Justin Fields. No one ever. Right. And to be honest, I think this is a move that they're just like, we don't give a fuck. We're getting a player. We're getting someone he can throw the ball to. And if it costs us a second, fine. At that point, I'm fine with it. Just because I need to know that the Bears care. 
their organization has been so negligent for a couple years now in Justin Fields' tenure that like I needed to see something because I know you ain't drafting any of them. Like I'm well, sorry, but this man Bellis Jones ain't it. He yeah. ain't it. I'll take. Like, they would have. They would have probably taken another off-ball linebacker with that second round <laughs> pick. If we're being exactly, honest. Okay. Like I'll take it. I'll take it. I don't care. Clay Chase Claypool is not worth a second, but to the Bears, just do something. All right. That's my first takeaway. The second takeaway is that I don't understand why this isn't Elijah Moore. Like, like why? Like, like if you're gonna pay a second for Claypool, pay even more and get Elijah Moore. Like, well, he's not the type of receiver they want, though, right? They have Darnell Mooney to fill the role that would be equivalent to like Elijah Moore, right? A smaller guy, you know, good at like the crossing route stuff like that. But it's like they wanted a big body guy that Fields could throw the jump balls to. That's that's what I think, right? Um, because that's like his main thing. He was good at that in college because he was throwing at Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, <laughs> Jackson Smith, and Jigba. And yeah, I mean, like, like now he's fucking the rest of them. Sure, but like, okay, here's the other thing I'll say, right? Like, I, I think that there were better available options here. I mean, I guess clearly Carolina didn't want to budge on DJ Moore, which like well, the Jets didn't want to trade Elijah Moore either, apparently. So well, I know that they don't, but like you got to trade him like you, like yeah. you have to at this point like i don't understand why they wouldn't listen to like a second plus right like i'm sure if the bears offer them a second like if you want to reset fine but like to ask them to throw in like maybe like a 2025 20, third or something like i don't know if they have that pick but i mean respectfully like you got to try like I, again i don't I mean, know we don't but, know but like chase claypool it's fine i am way higher on justin fields than all of you guys are like like, I, I think he's the guy. I think Justin Fields is the guy. Um, I just think it's an egregious situation that he's in. Like, absolutely egregious. And hopefully this will show us a little bit more. Um, but when I look at Justin Fields, I look at a player who is progressing. Uh, although it's not as fast as people may like, I think the addition of literally anything will help that. Uh, his ability to extend plays, get the job done on the ground, and do minimal stuff through the air shows me that he can lead an offense that is horrendous all across the board on paper, at least in a way that his skill set works for. And if that's running the ball, I think that he's doing a good job doing it. I think if he takes care of the ball a little bit more, which he has been doing lately, he could be a very solid NFL quarterback. And just, you know, with this upcoming NFL draft, especially with these new first round picks that they have, you know, I'm okay with this. I think that drafting maybe a JSN, a Boutte, and Addison could be huge for Justin Fields' development. But I think the addition of Chase Claypool is the step in the right direction. I'm fine with it. Wide receiver one, two, three moving forward. Chase Claypool. Uh, Chase, Chase, like in terms of uh, fantasy football. Fantasy. Yeah, fantasy. Uh, I still think he's a flex option at best. I don't think Chase Claypool is the type of player that changes the Bears' offense. I think he's a wide receiver too. I think maybe Claypool's like efficiency will go up, or, or the uh, the Bears' passing offense's efficiency will go up, right? Like just because there's an addition of an extra weapon. But the problem that I have is just, like, Claypool is not a transcendent enough player to change schemes for. Like, A.J. Brown, when he, he was traded to the Eagles, you could very clear that, like, it's very clear that they're, they're throwing the ball a lot more because that level of talent paired alongside Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard is something that you're going to want to maximize, right? Chase Claypool, respectfully, is not that guy. Like, they'll maybe throw the ball a little bit more, but, like, if Darnell Mooney is there and Claypool's there and they're throwing the ball 23 times a game, bro, like it's hard for me to say he'd be even better than he was in Pittsburgh. His upside is a flex play for me. 
I, I guess I'm the, the Claypool truther. Scope, I think the issue is like, are we sure Claypool's even better than Mooney? And Mooney's not like a wide receiver oh, no, no, no. Claypool, right now. Claypool is not better than Mooney. Yeah, that's what I, I agree. I'm just saying that Mooney in this offense as the only target is like a flex play. Like I don't I don't really see how a worse player coming in is gonna yeah, be a wide receiver too. But, All right, we got one more uh, big guy to talk about, and then we'll get to our picks. Um, so the last guy that's gotten a lot of buzz, at least for fantasy, is uh, Kadarius Tony. So Kadarius Tony goes to the Chiefs, uh, which is probably why we have all the buzz around him, uh, for a 2023 third and a 2023 sixth. After the Giants spent a first on him, just what last year? Yeah. Um. So. I have no idea how to feel about this, to be honest. Like, there's rumors that, like, KT was pretending to be hurt because he didn't want to play for the Giants. Now, how that how true that is, like, I don't know. But because, like, the main issue with, K- with KT has just been his health, right? Like, he just can't stay on the field. And so it's like, yeah, he has a better quarterback now, but if he can't stay on the field, it doesn't matter. But if he is on the field, obviously he's electric in the Chiefs offense, right? Because, like... His after catchability is actually nuts. Um, with a quarterback who can actually get him the ball, um, he could he could be very good. Uh, so, I honestly have no clue what to think about this. I think I think it's good for the Chiefs because he's super young. They paid like you know a, a third for him. If it works out, like it could be like the upside's crazy. But I, I'm I think I'm a little bit lower on the move just because like his health concerns me more than anything. I guess. Here's how I feel about it, and this is just something that tends to happen in fantasy where a talented or, you know, player that we might think is talented goes to a great offense or a great quarterback or just a great scheme. And I think this is very true for the Chiefs. Every time a player goes to the Chiefs, right, I think their value gets inflated, insanely inflated, because they're getting a quarterback upgrade, you know, Andy Reid, whatever, offensive efficiency, touchdowns, whatever. And I think that's fine. But I think that most of the time, it ends up just being fake value inflation. I think that KT's value should maybe go up a little because he's, you know, playing with Andy Reid and he's just a dynamic player and he's playing somewhere where he wants to be, all that. But I'm not of the belief that, like, he's just going to, like, be nuclear on the Chiefs. Like, I think the Chiefs still just want to spread the ball around. They, I mean, Juju's been pretty good this year. Kelsey's obviously Kelsey, but I don't know. The Chiefs, even when they had Tyreek, Tyreek was not an insane target hog. They just... He was just insane after the catch, and they, they schemed him very well. So, I mean, I think KT's value goes up, and I think the Chiefs will will benefit from it if it works out. Um, the other thing I wanted to say was I think the Chiefs, on, on the other side of this, is that I think the Chiefs are the perfect landing spot for KT because I think KT is the type of receiver that you just have to get him the ball in space. You don't have to – you don't want to have him running, like, wind sprints down the field or like running like really developed routes like he's like Debo in a way where you just want to get him the ball maybe behind the line of scrimmage and just let him cook and I think that the Chiefs do that a lot very well um they 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 operate around the line of scrimmage very well and I mean I think I guess the hope for KT is that he's sort of like a Tyreek sort of Debo after the catch guy but I don't know I think his value goes up a little bit at most from this yeah, I'm higher on this move than both of you guys are. I know Scopa mentioned the injury concern. Uh, to be honest, I don't really know how to use that to construct an opinion right now. Just because, like, like I can't, I can't predict if he's healthy. I don't, I can't tell if he's hurt. He's fine right now. I don't know what that looks like going forward. 
So I'll try to keep this analysis sort of to how I think he is in a pl- as a player and what it looks like entering the Chiefs organization. So personally, here's what I'll say real quick. I really have no reason not to believe he's immediately the best receiver on the Chiefs. Uh, absent Kelsey, obviously, I don't think there's a more talented player in that skill position room, right? And I think it's it's that simple. I think that if he's a dynamic player who brings something to the table that we have seen on display at multiple points just last season as a rookie and a team that knows is the best in the NFL at scheming those types of players. I don't know why this situation for you, Rob, wouldn't increase his value significantly than what it was before, right? So I explained it. Is that the Chiefs, I mean, I think that he'll, you know, be more productive than he was on the Giants, but I think the Chiefs just don't want to, like, have a target hog at wide receiver. I think they just want to spread the ball around. Like, it doesn't matter how good KT is. Right, but why do you think it matters to spread the ball around as opposed to like, you know, like what, like why is it the case that them wanting to spread the ball around doesn't already just like, why, why, why does he need to get the targets in order for him to have an, an increase in value that is relevant? Right. Like well, he I, was I already, I mean, I think that he was already elite at earning targets as a rookie. And I think that I expect that to continue. I'm just saying the chiefs are not necessarily the situation where he's going to be getting nine, eight, nine, ten 10 targets a game. Like, I think he'll get, I think he'll get his, but. Do you not, do you not also think that the reason maybe why they're spreading the ball around so much is because they don't have a player better than KT in their skill position room? I mean, no, because like, as I said, even when Tyreek was there, he wasn't a target hog. Well, he wasn't a target hog, but he was demanding a very significant target share. Sure. Like, but I think even Tyreek's best years in Kansas City, he was like a 20, 21% target share guy, which is great. That is true. I don't understand. Like that doesn't seem because KT is nowhere close to Tyreek, and that's my sort of thing. No, but what I'm saying is that that doesn't seem to make sense to per your argument, though, because you're you're explaining a a player that was dynamic from a fantasy football perspective that didn't command a crazy target share. Tyreek, he's not Tyreek Hill, right? But that's that's my point. But your argument is that the Chiefs knew how to scheme him a player of that skill set, incredibly efficient. Yes, they knew how to scheme Tyreek very well, and I agree with that. I just don't think, I just don't think KD will be even, KT will be even close to that level of production, even if he's schemed well. My question is, why don't you think that, if the Chiefs are the only team, the the best team for scheming a player, right? They scheme Tyreek to the point where he could be mad efficient, not demand an insane target chair. And KT goes to that team, is clearly the best player in that wide receiver room. Well, I, I cannot, the, their, their skill sets are different, though. So, like, um, with KT, he, he's not a guy that can take the top – that doesn't – he doesn't really take the top of a defense, and he doesn't force you to play too high uh, safeties, which opens up the, the middle of the field. Yeah, I mean, that's why – Players, they're different players. Yeah, and that, that's my thing, right? It's like, I think a lot of what KD will do, KT will do is, like, around, around the line of scrimmage, like, sort of like a Debo role, which I think is fine. It's dangerous. I just don't think he's going to be like insane. I just, think that's, I, I just think that's very clearly a step up than what his situation was before. But but I think his situation before was fine when he was healthy. He was just hurt. Yeah, I don't think so because the man was literally not being played. He was on the bench for like... Well, okay, but I don't mean that. I'm talking about his situation like outside of the off the field stuff that caused Dable and him to have some sort of strife. I'm saying like being on the Giants, I think he would have been productive. Right. I mean, that's maybe- why I don't... So, so, so you're saying that this value elevation is 
based off of where what his production like, was. Like I like I think if he went to home. like like let's just take for example, let's just say he went to the Rams or like the Vikings, where like he could just slide in as like a wide receiver too, which is essentially what he's doing on the Chiefs, assuming he's better than Juju and Juju's been good this year. Then I don't understand how that may I don't understand how him going to the Chiefs makes his value any higher. Like I think him getting traded raises his value because of the issues he had on the Giants with yeah, the yeah, that's stuff. sort of the perspective that I'm but thinking. I just don't think it should be that much higher because it's the Chiefs than if it were other teams. Well, I'm not disagreeing with you about like the Chiefs versus other teams. Um, I think that the reason why I would prefer the Chiefs over any other team is because I trust their scheme. I trust doesn't doesn't that stem from the what I said though, which is like the reason that his value was low, it has nothing to do with his actual situation, but just like the situation in particular with like the off the field stuff, like the injuries. So it's like your argument like should not be, oh, the Chiefs are a good landing spot. It's like because of all the scheme and all of that stuff. It should just be like well, the Giants wouldn't play him. The Chiefs will. Therefore, yeah, right. Well, I thought I thought that was going. I thought that would go without saying, though. Like obviously, well, but that, but but you said at the beginning you were like, well, I'm not going to touch the off the field stuff because who knows? But it's no, like, no, 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 no. I, said, I said I'm not going to touch like the injury stuff because I can't predict the injury. Well, the reports are that the reason he wasn't playing was because he was not like telling the yeah. Giants he was injured. So it's like, well, well, I wasn't referring to that. I was referring to like his actual health. Like I don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah, I just think from like a dynasty from a dynasty perspective though, like his value like doesn't change because the value that of the person who had him probably ins- was insulated by like I, well he's still Canadian. Yeah. Sure, his I talent think, hasn't changed. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like I get that. It's just I, I don't understand the extent to which we all think Kadarius Tony is a very talented player, mm-hmm. right? I think we all do, and we also believe that talent unequivocally commands targets. So Rob having this opinion that the Chiefs are just going to spread the ball around and he's just not going to get targeted an insane amount is like, oh. well, well, that I, wasn't my opinion. So no, I know. So, well, yeah. what I'm saying is that like, I think that if he's in an offense that's going to scheme him properly, it's going to be the Chiefs. If he's going to play with somebody who's going to put him in space, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. And if he is a very talented player, he will get targets and he will be efficient. Henceforth, I think that he is going to suffer a value increase. My argument about talent command targets is true and that's why i don't think his value has changed i think that his value was insulated so him going to the Chiefs, so you didn't drop you didn't drop his value at all what do you mean like based on the progressions in new york right now this- no i mean not from a dynasty perspective because that felt very short term yeah I, I i i just find it hard to believe that you didn't drop his value that's all he's a hold he's a hold in that situation like if you have Kadarius tony there's no reason to sell him for off the field stuff that's going on with him and dable like that doesn't make sense rob i think a lot of people were very concerned about his uh well i don't i don't i mean yeah i i agree people were concerned with the situation on the giants but like that's why we play dynasty like this shit changes you bet on talent i think he goes from being worth this season a third to being worth about a second back to where he usually was and I, I mean, like, why? Yeah, I, I think, think he was worth a second before. So, yeah, I don't think he was worth a third, Ethan. That's but, that's but I didn't think I didn't think anyone was paying a second for him. Well, you you. That's why he. That's why he's a hold, though. Yeah. No, I agree. But I'm saying, yeah. like, in terms of in terms of what, like, if nobody's taking a a, a second for him, or if you're not going to be able to get him for a second, I think that his value is probably about a third on the open market. Even though nobody would sell him for that, he would be a hold. But I think that if that's the only thing people are willing to give you for him, that would mean that that's invalid. I think we're just I think we're just agreeing in different words. Yeah. Um, I think we are. Yeah. But, um, I mean, uh, whatever. I mean, 
this is this is this is coming from Rob, who was the biggest Juju enthusiast after coming on the, the Chiefs. Juju's been playing good. No, he hasn't. <laughs> okay. No, he Just like Amari Cooper hasn't been playing good. Even I mean, wider the wide receiver if wanna, analysis. If you want to show me a good game that's away and not at home, go for it. I mean, trust me. Here's what I'll say right now. If CD Lamb show me a CD Lamb game over 100 yards. If CD Lamb, if CD Lamb was disappearing the way Amari Cooper does in away games, you would be slandering that man. Okay, that's facts. Um, Who's the next player we got to talk about? Well, that's actually all of our relevant players. I mean, there's a couple of guys that have been traded, like Naeem Hines, Jeff Wilson, like Zach Moss, but like. Honestly, who gives a shit about any of those guys? But I think Naeem Hines' departure helps Jonathan Taylor, but I think we can all kind of agree God, on that. John Jackson better. I mean, I just don't think it, like, really – like, he was an RB1, he'll still be an RB1. Let Nick Chubb. Um, but, yeah, so we can get into, like, the picks for this week because uh, this week's looking juicy. I'm not going to lie. Last week I was like, eh, I don't like really any of these lines. This week I could bet on, like, seven of these lines. So I feel like this little draft that we're going to do is going to be pretty easy um for me anyway uh just because like i'm not really concerned about you guys taking like the only three picks that i like or whatever i say that and then i'm gonna go like over nine but you know it is what it is um so right now uh just as a like sort of update we as as a as a podcast we're zero and two in parlays um after the raiders sold last week and i forget who it was that sold the week before i think it was the patriots uh rob you're a week behind on the pick so me and ethan are both at three and three right now and you are at two and one. So technically you're doing the best, even though, you know, you're low key cheating, but you know, it is what it is. So you'll get the last pick in our little, uh, our little draft, uh, but we'll do it snake style. So you'll get like two picks in a row. Um, so Ethan, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll go first. So for my first pick, um, to be honest, like I don't really think the draft would matter for this. Cause I don't really see you guys making this pick. Um, I'm going to go to Arizona. I'm going to take the Arizona Cardinals minus two against the Seattle Seahawks. I think this is a good spot for Arizona. They've been really weird at home for the past, like, couple of years, not going to lie. Like, I think they just won their first game at home against the Saints, like, a couple of weeks ago in, like, 10 games or something like that. Something ridiculous. But, like, I don't buy the Seattle Seahawks. Like, I think Geno Smith has played well, but, like, I don't think he's, like, I don't think... I think I think he's riding back this week. I'm not gonna lie. Like the Cardinals are in a must-win spot. They're three and five. The Seahawks, this is a losable game. They're coming off a win against the Giants um, to put them at five and three. The Cardinals have got to win this game. Uh, DeAndre Hawkins back is huge. I, I think that the Cardinals offense has looked like it's moving a lot more than it has in prior weeks at the beginning of the season. Um, and I think they get the job done. I, I just think that this is gonna be a down week for Seattle. Arizona's gonna come out firing. D-Hop's going to cook. He's looked good. And I think they cover a two-point spread. This is this is a uh, let Cardinals propaganda. I, I see that game totally different. Um, but that's an interesting pick. Um, so I'm going to go. I, I'm going to keep riding this team, even though, like, they low-key sold me the past couple times. But I'm going Lions plus three and a half versus the Packers. I think the Packers fucking suck. I hate Rodgers. Um, they refuse to run the ball um they just like their defense despite being sold as like a top 10 defense heading into the, this season has not been very good um we've got deandre swift back we've got amon Ra back um and i think i, I like the lines in this spot i think to be honest like i think they win outright um but i'll take the plus three and a half just uh just for the safety of it um I, i'm 
I'm fading the Packers every week. And so far it's worked out. I mean, last week they covered, they backdoor covered because Josh Allen decided to just like, he, he had money on the Packers last week, but like I'm taking the Lions this week. Scopa, I think you're underrating Aaron Rodgers owning division rivals factor. Don't matter. Okay. They said that about the Vikings, bro. Nah, that's cap. Everyone, everyone who knew ball was in the Vikings that game. <laughs> I think, I think, I think I'm sold on this pick. We're going to go down to the ATL. And Justin Herbert is going to deliver for the masses. I think the Falcons are significantly overachieving. I think that they aren't very good. Their defense isn't very good. Uh, Their offense is very disgusting to watch. Marcus Mariota sucks. And I think that the Chargers, this feels almost like a must win for them. I mean, what are they at now? I think they're, they're like four and three. And I mean that division is is kind of kind of pulling away in terms of the Chiefs, but this feels like a must-win for the Chargers. I don't think that they could fall to 500, losing to a team like Atlanta. I know Mike Williams is out. I know Keenan Allen's out, but I think that that helps the line for the Chargers a little bit. Uh, so so I expect this to be a relatively close game until the end, where I think the Chargers win by like you know seven points or so. Um, so yeah, I'm riding Chargers three and a half, uh, minus three. It's Josh Palmer season. Exactly. It's Josh Palmer. And, bro, I already know Eckler. You can punch him in for, like, one or two touchdowns. He's going to do the fucking guitar shit after diving into the end zone because <laughs> he's he's not a real running back. He just plays running back and is a receiver, and he counts fantasy points in his head during the game. Um, but, yeah, give me the Chargers. Well, you also have a second pick because you're doing snake style. So Ooh, We're going back to back? Back. Okay. Okay, I think I'm sold on the second pick. Give me the Minnesota Vikings minus three and a half against the Commanders. Taylor Heineke sucks. He's corny. Uh, They got a very lucky win last week. Um, Kirk is playing at 1 p.m. The Vikings haven't haven't looked good the last few weeks. This feels like a trap game. This feels sus, but I'm running with the Vikings. Dude, the trap game is the line you just bet. No, That's the point. Bro, this is exactly like when I said the Bengals would burn Scopa, and this is exactly like when I said the Bengals would burn you. Taylor Heineke is going to burn you. He is going to do it because that is what he does every game. Every right. game you bet against him, he dies for the pylon in the last two minutes of the game to cover a two-point spread, and they will, lo- they will lose the game or win the game outright 17 17- 15. It's something Washington's like this. garbage. I mean, I agree with you. Taylor Heineke does do that, but they're just not good. Like, they're probably a bottom five roster in the, in dude, the league right dude, now. Dude, you're forgetting something very important. Kirk Cousins cannot stray too far from 500. They are six in one right now, bro. This is a losable game. I'm sold on the Vikings. In, Fed- bro, the bro. in FedEx, the worst field ever. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't love the pick. I'm not making that pick, bro. I am, I'm sold on the Vikings this year. I'm, so, I'm sold on their defense. I'm sold on most of their, their offense. I'm so, I like this pick. Th- this point spread right now is sitting at three and a half. You're telling me every Taylor Heineke game doesn't end 14-17? <laughs> no, no, no. This one's ending 17-13. <laughs> that, that Ethan, is- I can already tell you right now, the public money is going to be all over Washington. All over Washington. 
That's why I feel comfortable betting on the Vikings. All right. All right. All right. Um, all right. My pick. I'm going. Oh, with, no. It's your pick. Yeah. yeah. I'm going with the Bucks minus three versus the Rams. Okay. Listen, Sky Tom Brady just went through a divorce. But here's the thing. Okay. Obviously, that's hanging over his head for a while. Okay. It wasn't like finalized. I think it's a big deal to have that lifted off you. It's like, all right, that's over. We're done talking about that. Right. I also think this is, this is, we're getting close to must win territory here for the Bucks, right? Um, Tom Brady teams usually like start off slow, but they've started off like even slower than normal this year. Um, there's no way I don't believe that the Bucks aren't going to make the playoffs. I think the Rams are fucking horrendous. Like Cooper Cup looks like he's going to be injured. We don't know like his status for the game. Um, without Cooper Cup, that, that offense might be the worst in the league. Um, the Bucks have a good defense. Uh, I think the offense starts clicking a little bit more this week. Um, or I expect it to get back on track here soon. Um, give me the Bucks minus three. Okay. There's no way Brady's losing four. So sus. That line is so sus, Scopa. I have. Uh... There's no way the Bucks are losing four in a row. Yeah, I just three points. I mean, I, I mean, I could definitely see the Bucks winning, but this, game, this feels like a Ryan suck up. This feels like a Ryan suck up. Yeah, exactly. This feels like a Ryan suck up game winning field goal with like. Where's you know, KFC push, bro? We'll take it. No, no, no. Not like, by two when he kicks. But win it. to like win by one or two though. This feels like a eking. This feels like the Bucks are gonna eke it out. But like, three points is a lot, and I could probably well, see this going. Saying like, this game feels like it's gonna be a Ryan Suggum field goal is no different than in the game, the Washington game, feeling like a Taylor Heineke pylon. Nah, but Ethan, you have to realize Taylor Heineke had two good games in a row. There's no way this man's having three good games in a row. Dude, he's him though. Like low key. Vikings, are, the Vikings are six and one. There's no way they go seven. Dude, the Vikings are just good this year. But Kirk Cousins. Bro, it doesn't matter. They're getting they're too far it... away from 500. Bro, that's the old Kirk. This is the new <laughs> Oh, okay. Bro, their offense is literally like a fucking... It's like, you know, remember Carlos from Big Time Rush? How he like wore a helmet all the time so he wouldn't get hurt? That's literally the Vikings offense with Kirk. It's like, Wait, just throw to Jay Jettas, hand it off to Dalvin Cook. Like, is this, is this man is not... Has to do anything. Is it the one o'clock slate? He's he's here to send a message. Okay, okay, okay. You, you you may have sold me, but again, I'm not touching a Taylor Heineke game. I've been burned too many times. All right, I'm not doing it. But I think I got two picks here, right? Yeah, you do, you do. I got two picks here. So I got some two picks I I, I really like. Uh, the first one I'm going to sell you guys on is the Miami Dolphins, Chicago Bears over. 45 and a half. It's in Chicago. I don't really know what the weather conditions are going to look like. But here's what I do know. The Miami Dolphins are going to tear their secondary up. They're going to tear them up. The second thing that I'll say is that the Chicago Bears are low-key going to score some points. Like, the Dolphins secondary has been a little bit sketch recently. I think Claypool is going to get, you know, get in the game a little bit. And I think Justin Fields is going to play a good game. I think he's going to air it out a bit in order to keep them in the game, which is what's going to happen. And like, after watching the Bears and Patriots sail over, I have no reason to believe the Bears can't score points against the weaker Miami defense. And I know for a fact that the Dolphins know how to put points on the board. To be honest, I don't see a reason why the Dolphins can't hit this by themselves. Ethan, I, mean, like, I don't hate the pick, but I will say this. 
Bears home games are just AIDS, like for fantasy. <laughs> like Bears home games feel like it's 1980. The Dolphins have been playing a lot of close games. They haven't really been blowing out bad teams. Like they haven't. And part of that is the reason that their defense is like a little bit shoddy. And I could totally see another game where like it goes down to the wire, a back and forth kind of thing. And even if the Dolphins end up like blowing them out, I still think it's totally possible that like the Bears in garbage time punch in a few scores. I don't know. I think 45 and a half is a little bit low for this game. I think there's certainly the firepower that's going to get it done. And uh, yeah, I think it's possible. Here's my second pick. All right. And I don't know how you guys are feeling about this pick. I don't know exactly if, uh, if you guys are looking for this, if you think the line is too large. But I'm going to go all the way down to the Meadowlands, and I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills minus 13 against the New York Jets. It's just going to happen. <laughs> it's just going to happen. This Bills defense is lethal. The Bills offense is lethal. The Jets have been very sketch without Brees Hall. Very, very sketch. So far, in the, in the time that they have, they have spent without Brees Hall, Zach Wilson has made some poor decisions. The run game hasn't been able to get going. They've been thrown into double coverage, you know, turning the ball over. And although the Jets' defense is good, and although I love Sauce, I don't think they can stop Josh Allen. I don't think it's possible. And it's less than two touchdowns. I think the Bills cover this. Yeah, I mean, I don't get it. Just because, like, they've just been blowing out fucking everybody. So it's like, you know, Jets not looking great. I can, I can understand that. Um, yeah. But I'm going to go. Uh, dude, this team has been killing me all year, but I'm going back to it because I just I just can't stop. Jags plus Jags, two. Yep. Jags plus two, bro. Listen, I just watched the Raiders get their fucking backs blown out by the Saints led by Andy Dalton. Like, come on, bro. Like, there's no way that Trevor can't cook the, cook the Raiders' defense. I don't know, bro. I just – I think the Jags are better than they are. Like, they're, they're struggling in the red zone, but it's like they were up against the Eagles. They were – like, they've been up in almost every game, and then they just, like, find a way to lose. And I just feel like that's got to regress at some point. They've been losing all these close games. Um, I have like almost no faith in the Raiders and Loki, like an underrated storyline is just how bad um, the coaches in Los Angeles right now. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Josh McDaniels. Like they go from last year having like an interim head coach, like being solid without Devonte Adams. And now they're just like getting cooked um, by fucking Andy Dalton. And so I know the Jags have been rough to bet on this year, but I like them as the underdog here. If they were the favorites, I wouldn't touch it, but like Jags bounce back week. I don't know why you just don't go money line there. Yeah, I mean you could you could certainly go money line, but what what pick do you want? Do you want the spread or do you just want to take that money line? Well, I I took the spread. Like I me personally, I bet on the money line just like okay. because of the odds, but like for the podcast, like just give me the spread. I'm so set on this pick. We're going to Arrowhead. I'm very, 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 very unsure of who wins this game and you know who covers this game, but. I am sure that this game is going under. This game is going to be a bloodbath. Kansas City, Tennessee. The under is 46 and a half. The Chiefs offense has looked incredible this year. But the Titans have played the Chiefs very well the last few years. I think their offensive style is, you know, 
very different from a lot of teams, you know, in the modern NFL that just like pound the rock, play action. Um, obviously, this game, you know, if Malik Willis plays this game, I'm even more set on the under. If Tannehill plays, then you know, I'm still I feel I still feel good about, about it. Um, I just think that the Chiefs will put up points. I think the Chiefs will probably score like 28. I'm just not sold that the Titans can put up, you know, even 20 points like on this Chiefs team. Like I, I really don't. I don't think the Titans' offense is that good, and I think that the Titans' defense is pretty good, especially against the Chiefs. So, I think this game goes under. The Chiefs' offense was has just been booming the last couple of weeks in terms of efficiency. I think that that has to come down at some point, and I think if there's a game for that to happen, it's this game. All right, so we're at the point now where we're going to do our podcast parlay. Okay, so we each pick one money line, put them together, throw it in a parlay, uh, and watch Rob throw it. So um, do either of you have, like, a game you're set on for the money line? Yeah, I'm pretty set on a Bill's money line. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, sorry, I sold the lay last week because I didn't pick a minus 500 favorite. Um, so I'll go with the Bill's money line. No, I'm kidding, though. Who wants who wants to go first? Well, I don't really have a strong um sort of like tendency here or like a strong lean here um that isn't like one of those massive favorites to be honest. Uh I think like obviously the Chiefs and Bills are safe bets. I think the Eagles are a safe bet. Um if I'm like a safe bet though. Huh? I don't know if the Chiefs are a safe bet. I don't know why you just don't pick Chargers money line at minus one sixty five. That I mean, that was gonna be my pick. But I, I I don't know if you guys wanted to overlap with our other picks. I don't think it matters, but okay. I'm not tailing your guys' picks. Okay, my uh, my money line pick will be Packers money line. Packers? Yep. God, I hate that. <laughs> Good. I, I want really you to. hate that, dude. Oh I want God. you to hate it. He's going to sell us again, bro. This is going to be an AJ Dillon masterclass. It's, it's Lions money line, sadly. Um... But uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think a sleeper this week uh, that's that odds aren't aren't too bad are Ravens. Um, so I'm gonna include the Ravens money line against the Saints. There's no way uh the Saints are gonna win back to back games. They're fucking terrible, and I think Ravens like really need the win. Um, because uh, obviously the Bills can run away with a one seed. Um, so I think they feel some pressure. Uh, I'm looking at a Lamar masterclass this game. Both of you guys picked like below a minus two hundred favorite, uh, minus one fifty five and minus one seventy five respectfully. Yeah, uh, with the uh the Packers or not the Packers the uh, Ravens and Packers, but um, I'll just I'll, I'll throw a pick in that's not too bad. Um, it'll probably make the odds a little bit better because it's a three teamer. But uh, I'm not gonna go anything crazy. I'm gonna go Cincinnati Bengals money line. Um, I think they need a win. Like uh. I just can't imagine what would happen if the if they lost at home to the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's, it's minus three fifty. They're just coming off a loss to the Browns, and like, I don't think the Bengals lose two really egregious games back to back. Like, I I just don't think that happens. Um, minus three fifty, sure, throw it in a three teamer, makes it plus money for sure. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, I I had the same thought process with the Patriots too. Like, is Bill Belichick going to get embarrassed twice in a row by Sam Ellinger? Like, no. Right? The difference is we um, just know that, like, the Patriots, like, 
they don't have any elite talent. It's like well, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think I think the the Bengals are definitely a safer pick, but um, just like my thoughts on the Patriots, I guess. But yeah, yeah, I don't think the Bengals lose this week, but the odds are whatever for a par- for a parlay. I think it's fine. Let's see what that. Let, let's put those in. I want to see what that comes out to Packers, Bengals, and what'd you say, Scopa? Baltimore. Yeah. That's plus 226. I mean, that's solid. You know, it's like 100, 100 to win 226. So, you know, we take those. We take those. Yeah, it's not terrible. I think we just we just need a win, boys. We just need a win. Yeah, we do, we do need a win. We're 0-2 right now. Like, we're in the trenches. Um, yeah, no. Actually, neither one of our picks, Scopa, have sold the parlor. <laughs> Dude, it's one want... you guys picked the Cowboys and Eagles, bro. I can't I can't slander too much because like my pick will sell this week and then I'll get slandered. So yeah, I gotta show you know what I'm saying. <laughs> bro, there's no shot the Ravens. There's no I shot think... the Ravens lose. Well, I think if someone sells, it's you, Rob, because I really don't trust the Packers. But it is what it is. Dude, but it's just like the same principle for the Bucks. Like there's no way the Packers lose again. Yo, but respectfully, the Packers might not be a great football team, but like the Lions are terrible. Yeah. Well, I actually I went with an underdog parlay this week. Um Detroit plus three, Jacksonville money line, and Seahawks um money line. And that's like plus eight hundred. I feel like if you're gonna do an underlock underdog lay, it should just be a two teamer. Like three teamers are a little bit too much too difficult to ask. For. Dude, it's like plus eight hundred, and I think all those teams have a very good shot at winning. Like I think like if I were to pick the game, I would pick Jags and Seahawks. Dude, are you really gonna fade the Cardinals again, bro? Like I'm telling yes, you, dude. not losing this game. Dude, I'm fading the Cardinals until like I see something legitimate because like, yeah, they beat the Saints. Like, okay, congrats. They fucking suck. Like, I- I'm not convinced. I mean, they still have, they they still employ Cliff Kingsbury last I checked. So yeah. Well, either way, uh, I think we had a good episode. We talked about a lot of productive things. Uh, got some good takes out. Uh, had some good dialogue. Personally, I I think that some of these picks are going to smack. But, I mean, that's for Sunday. Uh, until then, uh, thanks for tuning in. Hope you guys had a good listen. But, uh, yeah, good week. Maybe we'll be back sometime soon with a, uh, with a short or something like that. But, yeah.